0: Hello, and welcome to the second episode of the Iowa Type Theory Commute. I'm Aaron Stump, and I'm here to talk to you more today about computer check proofs. In our first episode, in addition to telling you a little bit about my idea for this podcast, um, <clears throat> we talked about some of the basics of computer check proofs. The idea that um, we can use computer software to check a proof to make sure that there are no errors, gaps, other problems in that proof. Of course, the proof um, with today's technology, and and I think for the foreseeable future, is expressed in some particular uh, syntax, a particular format. You know, specific rules for how you write the proof down in a file that your proof uh, tool, of whatever kind, is going to read and process. Um, And you know, the benefits of this uh, having such technology, which we do have now, and for the first time in the multi-millennial history of you know formal or of deductive reasoning we actually have computer software that can check proofs for us and make sure we haven't made these kind of mistakes that that do come up in, in uh, real proofs uh, paper proofs that people do um, this is really gives us an extremely powerful new tool and it's it's so powerful and it's so new in the you know long-term historical sense even though it's these ideas have been around for some time, um, definitely since the 60s and 70s. Um, one of the earliest projects was this project called AutoMath um, in the Netherlands, led by Nicholas de Brown, a uh, great, great researcher and working in these kind of areas. And with the goal of creating uh, formats in which you could write down proofs, mathematical proofs, and then a piece of software, or rather a small piece of software could then check the proof, to make sure that it's correct. Anyway, so <laughs> I think it's taking a while for this sort of technology to settle in and to sink in. And uh, definitely mathematicians have been um, almost totally uninterested in it, with a few very notable and interesting exceptions. Um, and one of them, which can't be missed, and I'm sorry if I missed some of the many others out there, but um, the mathematician named Tom Hales uh, proved a long or standing um, conjecture in mathematics known as the Kepler conjecture about sphere packing. What's the most efficient way to pack spheres in space? And I think it's something like 400 years ago, Johannes Kepler conjectured that it was the usual sort of cannonball or stacking oranges in a pyramid um, configuration. I, I'm afraid I have not enough expertise to tell you what sort of the alternative configurations might be or, or or more nuances to the problem. But Um, It's a sphere, it's a question about densest sphere packings in space, and it was chiseled away at for hundreds of years, gotta love mathematics uh, for this sort of thing, and finally uh, Tom Hales um, proved the conjecture, and I love this story, so I'll I'll tell it even though people know me have probably heard me tell it before, and it's well known, you can find all about it on the internet, nothing original with my telling of it here, Uh, but um. He proved this. He put the, you know, completed the last lemmas and all this and had a proof, and he submitted it to a journal, a Journal of American Mathematical Association or something like this, Mathematical Society, sorry. Um, and uh, they reviewed it for some extremely long time. I forget what it was. I think it was five years or something like that. They had special, apparently special symposia devoted to his trying to assess the proof. A team of 10 or 12 reviewers were tackling this thing because it was very long, and it involved... Um, just like the four color theorem that we talked about last time, it involved some computer code to check some cases, check a large number of special cases. Uh, and at the end of this very long and arduous reviewing process, the editor had to write to Hales back and tell him that um, while the reviewers are 99% sure that the proof is right, they can't be completely sure, and so they can't really certify it as a theorem. And Hales was very frustrated. <laughs> Who wouldn't be? I mean, he'd put a lot of effort and time and this was a great break, you know, brilliant result to achieve, um, settling this long standing uh, open problem in mathematics. And, um, so he turned, this is amazing. You know, people in desperation turn to computer check proofs when you have nowhere else to run, when there's just no alternative, you turn to computer check proofs. And I'll tell you another story about that same sort of a, uh, situation in just a minute. Um, I am, by the way, as you know, driving merrily along in a, a beautiful sunny day um, here in Iowa. It's, it's heading somehow. To, Fridays are usually a little bit quieter here on campus, so it's just like a very nice, low-key drive in here. Um, and we'll be over shortly, as you know. So uh, anyway, so in desperation, Hales turns to the uh, automated theorem proving and, and proof assistant community. And over the course of, I forget what it was now, I think it was a decade... Um, he and something like over 20 collaborators and co-workers finally completed a a fully formal computer-checked proof. All the computer software checks that he had done before were now proven in a computer uh, proof assistant, were now proven to be correct. So there still was software that had to check some cases. But this time, unlike the software for the original four-color theorem, it was proven that this software... If it said, you know, the, if it gave you a certain answer, that answer was really correct. Um, so they actually applied some program verification as well as doing some mathematical reasoning. Um, and so it took, i you can see the stats online. You just just search for Hales FlySpec. That was the name he gave. His code name or whatever he gave his project was called FlySpec. And I think the, the stat I saw on their website was something like over 200 person years of effort went in to generating this computer check proof of the Kepler conjecture amazing amazing but they finally I, I was actually not that long ago i think it was three years ago or something finally there was the big you know the big green light that said yep we proved the very last lemma the very last final theorem can be stated proved and everything um the work is done it's really amazing I, I mean hats off to these guys for the dedication it takes to do something like that um, that's it's really remarkable uh so anyway so that was an example. And there's another recent example um, of somebody who's taken interest, uh, uh, apparently, I, get, I gather, a uh, well-known uh, you well, well known and respected mathematician named Kevin Buzzard, who works in the uh, United Kingdom. I think it was Imperial College or something. Um, and he has uh, made some waves, at least in the kind of circles I move in, that um, for go, going out on record and, and expressing concern about the state of proof in mathematics and expressing, um, you know, optimism or, or again, perhaps, you know, the, the turn of the turn of desperation to computer check proofs as the sort of the only way. And I I saw part of a talk of his online that said the inevitable way he believes this is what's going to be the standard practice in mathematics. I don't remember if he predicted when, but it's certainly not going to be in a couple of years, <laughs> maybe a couple of generations. Um, it might might turn out to be the standard practice in mathematics to use proof assistance to help you write and to check your mathematical proofs and so um uh so so that's part of the interest in this technology is certainly in mathematics but a a big part of it is in computer science as well and computer scientists being the you know being technologists and technology changing at the rate that it does um are have been much quicker to adopt this stuff although still decades behind (laughs) i mean really in the united states the the interest in this sort of technology, really, the very first wrinkles, I think, well, okay, there were some pockets, very small pockets uh, of activity here and there, um, but the mainstream interest, uh, in, uh, certainly in programming languages research, um, came with an initiative called the Papelmark Challenge. It was in, two th- it was in 2005. Some researchers, uh, I can call friends of mine at the University of Pennsylvania, proposed that to the programming languages community that instead of writing very long and detailed and uh, kind of otherwise useless proofs to to make sure that there were no errors in theorems about programming languages because programming languages theory um churns up a fair good number of theorems about programming language designs to make sure that the designs work as expected um these researchers at penn proposed that um they basically sort of said hey guys there are these people who've been making computer proving tools for some time now. Maybe we should try them and see if they can help us do our proofs. And that was a big success in the sense that they got lots of people interested. I personally, that's when I learned my first proof assistant was thanks to their initiative. I learned cook. Um, and, uh, which is a, is a well-known and widely used proof assistant. And, uh, so that, I think, really sparked interest. There were some other seminal sort of events in computer science research in the late 90s and early 2000s, particularly a project called Proof-Carrying Code, where the idea was that you would ship mobile code with proofs of certain kinds of properties so you would know that on some you know, mobile platform or just a, coming into a web browser or something, it wasn't going to do something malicious. Um, that was a very important project, too, for raising awareness of, of American computer scientists that this kind of computer-checked proof technology um, could be really powerful for practical applications of of computing not just um verifying mathematics as interesting as important as that might be but for stuff that's more practical and i'm in the parking lot now but i'm kind of rambling on here on a roll so i'm going to just tell you one more thing like that um the other big stir like this i think recently has been cryptocurrency again the, the turn of desperation the flight to the, the only little hill peaking above the flood, uh, cryptocurrency community has expressed quite a lot of interest and eagerness and willingness to embrace um, formal computer check proof technology because the situation is so serious. You know, they they want, you know, cryptocurrency platforms want to enable um, exchange of, of uh, you know, of, of currency, of uh, cryptocurrency, based on contracts, based on, which are, which are programs, they call them smart contracts. They're, they're programs that can, you know, read some state and see some inputs of various kinds, uh, make some decisions and send money to people. And, you know, if you make a little oopsie in a program like that, you're going to send the wrong money to the wrong people. And furthermore, these things are just sitting there waiting for people to hack. And there have been very notable hacks. There was this famous Dow hack for the Ethereum cryptocurrency that drained a huge amount of, like hundreds of millions equivalent of uh, ether got drained from a smart contract by um due to a bug in the contract and they actually had this really embarrassing situation where they had to fork uh they had to do a a fork of the the cryptocurrency basically a bunch of people running the the nodes for the cryptocurrency said yeah sorry life is hard somebody hacked this this thing and stole a bunch of money but you know a blockchain is a blockchain this is a a supposed to be a uh Irrevocable ledger of transactions, and these transactions were all legal. So even though undesired, and so we have to persist. And other that was, I think that they call it Ethereum Classic or something. And then a bunch of people said, "No way, this is terrible. We're going to roll back and just pretend that never happened." And that's not ever supposed to happen in a blockchain, or that—that's the most you know purest kind of theory of it is that you're never supposed to roll that stuff back. So anyway, um, Ethereum researcher people, uh, Ethereum you know R and D kind of people. Are, are quite interested in formal techniques of computer check proof so that you could prove that your smart contract cannot get maliciously drained. You know, Of course, you have to figure out how to state the behavior you want of your smart contract. That's still a, an issue. Um, we talked about last time, you know, you've know, got to prove your theorem. you got to trust your proof checker, but you also need to trust the specification. You need to trust the statement of the theorem. So if you, if you stated the wrong property or too weak of a property of your smart contract, you might still be in trouble. Um, but anyway, okay. Uh, yeah, I'm sitting here in the parking lot, so it's fun talking (laughs) and I hope there's somebody out there who thinks it's fun listening and, uh, tune in another time. Now I have to warn my listener or handful of listeners that I'm going to actually go on, uh, there's Thanksgiving break next week and there's, I'm taking a personal vacation week the week after. So it's going to be a couple weeks before I am commuting. Now, actually it might be driving to the gym, so I might turn into the Iowa, Type Theory Gym Drive, which doesn't have quite the catchy sound as Iowa Type Theory Commute. But but absent that, it will be a while before I put anything else out again. All right. Thanks.